And what is up, Houdan Nation? Welcome back inside another edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast presented by Boot Crew Media, also presented by Ornitos Tequila, the official tequila of Boot Crew Media and DraftKings. Uh, this is going to be an interesting week for the Saints, to say the least. It looks like it's going to be taste some time. I'm obviously somewhat excited for that, or should I say cautiously optimistic is probably the better word um, for what this game might be. Saints-Cowboys going to be interesting. I'll talk about that. I'll talk about the potential quarterback change what this team needs to do to finally snap this losing streak. I feel like a broken record talking about that. Uh, it's it, a lot going on, man. Just a lot with this team. Feels like there's never a dull moment. And even now, uh, th- this is one of those weeks where usually the Saints are on the on the, the COVID list or a bunch of injuries. It kind of seems like now Dallas is getting that, which makes this a little bit of an even more spicy matchup. But before we do that, let's talk about Taysom Hill. And again, if you are listening to this on Twitter, just drop the YouTube link. You could come join in. And we'll talk about the the Saints Cowboys. You ask me about whatever the hell you want, honestly. And I'm an open book. You guys know how I am. I'll come answer it for you. So let's talk about Taysom Hill. So for the last couple of weeks, I've been begging for the Saints to make a quarterback change. And it had nothing to do with Trevor Simeon and me not liking Trevor Simeon. It just had everything to do with this team being in a rut. This team playing poor football. This team basically looking like a bottom five team in the NFL. And again, obviously not a bottom five team, team in the NFL. And I understand that injuries are part of this game, and man, the Saints have been decimated by injuries. But you had to make a change. And what I said, and I've been adamant about this from the very beginning, was I don't think that Taysom Hill's magically going to become a uh, franchise quarterback. I don't think that Taysom Hill's really going to show us that much of a different game plan than what we saw in the four games last year. I I don't believe that. But what I do believe is that Taysom Hill can give somewhat of a spark to an offense that, let's be real, guys, it's lifeless. There's nothing special about this offense. The passing game is not great. The running game when Ingram and Kamara are down, obviously not great. So what do the Saints do well? There isn't a whole lot. And the reason I wanted Taysom Hill in was for two reasons. You can't keep running the same thing. You can't continue to be an offense that the only time you really get anything going is when the other team calls the dogs off and they say it's it's garbage time, it's the fourth quarter, we don't really need to be super aggressive and they play prevent. And then the second thing, And I mentioned this about Jameis Winston, and I think this is why people, when Jameis went down, they almost kind of threw that under the rug. You need a special quality. And I think Jameis Winston's special quality was his arm and how talented his arm is in terms of getting the ball ball from point A to point B effortlessly, which is what he does so well. And Taysom Hill, while I don't think he necessarily has a special quality, as in, wow, look at him go, I do think that that running ability at least gives him something. So then I look at Trevor Simeon, and again, it's going to come off like I'm bashing the poor guy, and that's not my intention at all. What is that special quality with Trevor Simeon? The arm strength's not really there. He's not the most deadly accurate guy, although I think he did do a good job of distributing the football earlier, especially those Tennessee and Falcon starts compared to the Eagles start and the Bills one. He's not mobile. If the play breaks down, you don't have that escapability option like you would with the Taysom Hill. So that, that really is my question. What is the special quality that he would have? So that's why I was on the fence about it. So I'm happy the Saints are making this change. I know Sean Payton's feeding some stuff right now that he's not ready to name Taysom Hill the starter, and he has to see how Taysom Hill practiced. But Taysom Hill just came out this Tuesday night, and he basically said that if the game was tonight, which or tomorrow night, excuse me, which it's not, he'd be ready to play. So that's a pretty good sign that, albeit the foot injury, Taysom Hill will be your starter, and I think that's good news for the Saints. And I know... Like I said earlier, I don't think he's magically going to fix some of the issues they have. They're a bad offense for a reason. However, I do think that this gives them a little bit of a spark, and boy, we know they need a spark. So we'll see what happens. He's a full participant in practice on Monday, full participant in practice on um, on Tuesday, 
And now we just wait and see, but it looks like it's going to be Taysom time. And again, I, I, I want this because I can't keep watching what I've been watching the last couple of weeks, guys. I don't know about you. I didn't let the Bills Saints game ruin my Thanksgiving, but it was painful to watch. Like it was the first time in a while I was watching the Saints game. And I'm like, I really do not want to watch this. And that never happens. It really never happens to me. I promise you guys throughout the heartbreaking losses, throughout the ugly losses, I rarely sit there. I'm like, I really don't want to watch this. But the Bill Saints game, I was like, okay, I'm good. Like, I'm good on this. I don't need this. And maybe, and not even all just taste them, just making a change could potentially light a fire under the team. And they need it because you went from five and two to five and six. And crazy enough, as bad as the last four games have been, you look at the wild card standings. If they were to win on Thursday night, they would move up to the seventh seed. Like, that's how stupid the NFC is right now in terms of the way people are playing and the way that seeding format is right now. So the Saints still have a lot to play for. I do think, yet again, I'm going to sound like a broken record saying that this is a must-win game and they got to do this. So I think that this is its going to be interesting, really interesting to see what happens um, for this game for sure. Now, let's go to the injury report real quick. There's some t- there's something to talk about with the Saints. Some with Dallas, although Dallas, I think, really isn't nearly as bad as it is with the Saints. But no Marcus Davenport, no Tano Passanio, uh, no Teron Armstead, no Ryan Ramchek, and no Caden Nellis, which is really unfortunate on so many accounts. One, I thought Caden Nellis has been playing really, really well the last couple of weeks. So to take him out stinks. No Ramchek and, Arm- and Armstead. You guys know how bad that can get when you have two backup tackles. That's not ideal for any quarterback, whether it's Taysom coming off the foot injury, Trevor Simeon, it doesn't matter who it is. That's not ideal. And then obviously, uh, Passigno and Davenport, there goes two of your better pass rushers. And that puts a lot of pressure on Carl Granderson and Cam Jordan. Though, I will say, I thought Granderson played excellent against the Bills. That was one of the few bright spots for the Saints. Limited participant, only one. It's Alvin Kamara. And Alvin's the key. Nick uh, Nick Underhill kind of hinted at it. He said it's a wait-and-see type thing. We have to still kind of figure out whether or not Alvin's going to play on Thursday. It, It seems like it's up in the air right now. Just his presence alone would be huge for the Saints. Just for him to be there and to have a guy who tracks so much attention would change a lot for the New Orleans Saints. Now, I don't think that Alvin's going to come in if he does play Thursday and light up the Cowboys. That's asking for a lot. And again, all that attention's on him. So if the defense knows it's going to him and they know he's the focal point and he still has a great game, then that would just be a failure on the Cowboys' part. So I don't expect him to come in and just light up the box score. But if Alvin's there... Where is your primary defender going to be attracted to? Alvin Kamara. So that's going to help out a lot for the Saints. It would take a lot of pressure off Taysom Hill. It would take pressure off Mark Ingram. That would help. Now the good news, because there is some good news. Mark Ingram says he's going to play. And yeah, we're at this point where Mark Ingram saying he's going to play makes me very, very excited about the, I guess, the optics of this game. Mark Ingram in the two games that he played with Alvin Kamara out, at least 100 scrimmage yards in both those games. At this stage in his career, He's still pretty productive. He's still a solid player to have on this team. So getting him back, he seems ready to go. I'm under the belief had the Saints played Sunday last week, he would have been ready. I think having that short week really just messed him up. So I expect Mark Ingram to be Mark Ingram and really help out a ground attack that, let's be real, was terrible against the Bills. And I'm putting it nicely. So again, we'll see what happens. Saints are probably going to be without both tackles, and we know that's going to be a pain. But getting back Mark Ingram and potentially getting back Alvin Kamara and and Falvin plays, that changes a lot about how I view this game. But at at least there's some optimism there. As for the Cowboys, they have no Tristan Hill. He got suspended two games for punching a player on the Raiders, which obviously is not smart. And I'll never get why football players fight each other. You have helmets on. I'm not punching a dude in the helmet or taking the dude's helmet off and then going to punch him. I just don't know if that's smart. So he suspended two games. 
Terrence Steele, he he tested positive for COVID. I'll talk about the Cowboys COVID se- uh, you know, situation in a second because that is a, a big issue. And then Cedric Wilson, he's missed the last two practices. If Cedric Wilson misses this game, that is a sneaky under the radar injury to monitor. And the reason is Amari Cooper's status is still up in the air. And if Amari Cooper and Cedric Wilson miss this game, all the pressure's on CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup, which is still a great duo. Like, imagine missing two of your top four wideouts and you're still throwing the ball to Michael Gallup and CeeDee Lamb. It must be nice. Us Saints fans do not know that luxury, at least not this year. So that is something to monitor with the Cowboys. But the biggest thing for the Cowboys is the COVID situation. I said Terrence Steele tested positive for COVID. Well, it's not the only one who tested positive for COVID. Cowboys head coach Mike McCarthy tested positive. And a lot of people viewed this as actually, God willing, the man is okay. A good thing for the Cowboys, strategically speaking, because people think very lowly of Mike McCarthy. Or at least, at least people in terms of um, uh, Saints fans who don't like Mike McCarthy's game management. They rather have a Kellen Moore or a Dan Quinn, and they think that gives them an advantage. So whether or not that is, this is the real problem for Dallas. No offensive line coach Joe Philbin, no assistant offensive line coach Jeff Blasco, strength and conditioning coordinator Harold Nash, and assistant strength and conditioning coach Kendall Smith. They're all out. Now, I mentioned those names. Probably none of you guys are going to really see those names and be like, oh, that jumps off the list. But I felt like we felt that way with the Saints in week two against the Panthers when all those assistant coaches missed the game. And then you realize when you're watching the game how important assistant coaches are, which should be kind of a no-brainer, but it almost gets swept under the rug by all of us NFL fans, and I guess that's totally normal because we all kind of think of the big names and whatnot, and then when those under-the-radar guys kind of happen, you say, oh, well. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see how Dallas is able to respond to this type of adversity. You're missing four assistant coaches and Mike McCarthy at the minimum, and we'll see how the testing goes. You know, this situation, especially with COVID, You don't really know until I would say five to seven days after whether or not you're out of the clear. So while Dallas is in this rut right now, you don't really know when it's going to end. So at least five coaches missing that would, in my opinion, impact them. Dan Quinn's going to take over the coaching duties. I know a lot of you Saints fans probably got happy over that because Dan Quinn, uh, let's just say his history is not great with the, with the, against the Saints. So we'll see what happens there with that. I'll talk about the matchup in just a little second. What I want to talk about real quick though, is the Amari Cooper situation. I'm not here to get into Amari Cooper's vaccination status. You know, you guys know how I feel. I am vaccinated. I'm not going to go get into Amari Cooper's thing. If he doesn't want to get vaccinated, whatever, man, I, I, I don't get it in terms of hurting your team. You missed two games instead of one now, whatever. What I don't get is the way the NFL protocols work. So I don't know if you guys saw the report, but it comes out that Amari Cooper is at the Cowboys facility on Tuesday trying to get back into the swing of things. He did not practice. And then Mike McCarthy comes out and says, Amari Cooper's still dealing with symptoms and Amari Cooper's still coughing. And I just thought, and again, I'm not getting into this whole COVID thing, but if he's still coughing, why the hell is the dude at the facility? Like if you're still symptomatic, like I I don't, that's just me. I don't understand it, but obviously Amari Cooper's status is going to play a huge impact on this game. If he does miss it, the Cowboys could be without two of their best four receivers. And that would definitely help the Saints out in terms of how many weapons you have to account for when you face Dallas. Because Dallas obviously has a very talented football team. And if Amari Cooper's not there, that is definitely interesting. So before I get into this Saints-Cowboys final in terms of wrapping it up, talking about the preview, what I want to get to, the X's and O's, and what the Saints need to do well if they want to snap this losing streak. Just going to pull up one of the questions on the screen. Are you still begging for the Saints to overpay for Russ, or have you finally realized Jameis is fourth in the league in QBR, second in uh, efficiency passing, and the Saints are 0-4 without him? So, look, I'm going to talk about this, actually. It's pretty interesting, because I thought about talking about this Jameis-Russell-Wilson thing today, 
And then I decided not to, but since you bring it up, I'll, I'll mention it. So this has been a big trending topic on uh, Saints Twitter. Who should the Saints have at quarterback next year? Who should it be? And I don't blame people for having the discussion right now because obviously, one, the Saints are not doing well, and two, the Saints don't have the quarterback of the future technically on the roster because even if you think Jameis is the quarterback of the future, he's not signed for next year. So technically speaking, he's not on the roster next year. I'm always under the belief of this, and I, again, people can pull out whatever stats they want, and that is totally fine because I thought Jameis did an excellent job in terms of being an efficient quarterback. I, I am under the belief, and I won't change it, that I think that the Saints are going to go big-name quarterback hunting and then if that does not work, they can always come back to Jameis Winston. Now, they have to do it in a, in a timely fashion because you can't go through all those options and then come back two months later and be like, hey, Jameis, do you still want to play for us? Because one, another team will probably be interested in Jameis Winston still. It's not just going to be the Saints interested in him. And two, that is not exactly the right message to send. That said, if you're asking whether or not I would give up assets for Russell Wilson, I think the Russell Wilson thing is very fascinating. I do think he's not playing that well. I do think that he is struggling. And I do think that there is this weird narrative where some quarterbacks get passes and others don't. And Russell falls in that category where he always gets a pass and he doesn't really get much blame. That being said, if you're asking me, would I rather have Russell Wilson or Jameis Winston? I still would rather have Russell Wilson. Now is the question, would I rather give up a bunch of assets for Russell Wilson or take back Jameis Winston? I think you make a more intriguing argument. And I think whichever side you're going to go with, I'm going to respect whatever that opinion that might, that may be. However, I don't know if Russell Wilson's value today is as much as I thought it would be a couple of a couple of weeks ago or a couple of months ago. And now it'd still be a lot. And again, I'm not technically advocating for the Saints to just sell the farm, but I think about Russell Wilson with the change of scenery because in my mind, I believe he's checked out from Seattle. And again, they're three and eight. So let's be real. The season's over for them. I still think Russell Wilson and Sean Payton's offense can do wonders. Now, if they bring back Jameis Winston, I'm all for it. I, again, I thought he played efficient football, and I think the really upsetting thing about the way Winston's tenure ended in terms of this season, at least because of the injury, I thought he didn't hit his peak yet. I thought he was getting to that point where he felt really comfortable in the offense. And mind you, before he got hurt, threw a dime to trade Quan Smith. And you started to wonder if the Saints get healthier, what can happen, and then that injury happens. So it is very upsetting, and I do feel for him, and I, I would have no issue with the Saints bringing him back. But if you're asking me, can the Saints get Russell Wilson without completely destroying their assets? Yeah, I would still be in the Russell Wilson uh, market. I, I still think Russell Wilson in the day is having a bad season, but that doesn't mean he is going to be continuously a bad quarterback or this is going to linger. I look at a lot of situations where guys just need fresh starts, just like a Jameis Winston. I think Jameis Winston just needed to get the hell out of Tampa to be a decent quarterback, and we saw that. So it's a very interesting balance. There's a lot of give and take. I don't think it's as interesting as just saying, don't go after Russell Wilson because it's going to cost a lot. But I also don't think it's as easy as saying go after Russell Wilson because it's Russell Wilson. I know I'm building in myself a bunch of, you know, leeways here, but I think it's going to be a very fascinating debate for the Saints to have. What are the chances we heavily pursue a free agent wide receiver or draft one this offseason? I'm under the belief that Saints are going to draft one. I'm not saying it's second round. I'm not saying it's first round or whatever. I'm not going to put a, a timeline on that of, of which day pick, day one or day two pick they're going to use but I think they're going to draft one. I don't know if they're going to get one in free agency. That's usually not how they like to roll. And when they do, usually it's been whiffs technically, or it's been mid-tier guys like a Ted Ginn or a Cam Meredith. That's kind of the market where they go after. But I, I would think they draft one. Again, I, I still am under the belief that if Teron Armstead's gone, the Saints might try to take a, an offensive tackle in the draft unless they feel comfortable with Hurst and Ramchek running the thing. So 
I think that's going to be very interesting. I do think they need a wide receiver. I do think Sean's eyes have opened up. I do think he realizes that, hey, you can't just scheme things. And I'll, I'll put this before I get into the Cowboys-Saints game because I, I obviously don't want to get too off topic. I Again, I'm not one of those guys who just loves Bill Belichick. I respect the dude, but I'm not a Bill Belichick you know, fanatic. But let me tell you what Bill Belichick did this offseason that I loved. He realized, you know what, we have to start adding talent because this whole I could just scheme everything every single season doesn't work because some guys just aren't good football players. And you could put them in the perfect scheme and you could call up the perfect play. And if the execution is not there, the play doesn't work. And the Pats went out. They drafted Mac Jones. That's been working out. They, they signed Matt Judon. That's been working out. They signed Kendrick Bourne. That's been working out. They signed Hunter Henry. He's been great in the red zone. They made all these moves that aren't really Patriots-esque. And you know what? You ask yourself today, are the Patriots a Super Bowl contender this year? And you're probably saying yes. So I think for the Saints, yeah, they could scheme guys open from time to time. But guess what? You're learning the hard way right now with this bad receiving corpse, how much it hurts. And had they had a better receiving corpse, maybe Simeon doesn't look as bad when Jameis goes down. Maybe Jameis's numbers look even better in those seven starts that he has. They probably do look. Not even maybe. They would look better. So I think that the Saints absolutely will and have to get a wide receiver. The have-to's out of the question. Will they? I do think that they will. I think that they've reached their breaking point in terms of just assuming that your scheme is going to cover up everything. But again, we'll see what happens. Sean could prove me wrong, and if he does, that'd be a little bit of a problem. So let's get into Dallas, New Orleans, Thursday night, 720 Central uh, on NFL Network and Fox. Should be a fun one. Uh, You know, last week I gave, and I felt bad. I apologize when I did it, but I was very pessimistic about the Saints-Bills game. I was basically like a dead man walking on the podcast. I sounded like I was attending a funeral and I was, you know, and I, I sadly, that's how the game went. There was nothing to be optimistic about except for a pick from Roby and a pick from Quan Alexander. And yet this week, and I'm not saying I'm picking them to win. I'm saying I actually feel somewhat optimistic about a Saints game for the first time in like three weeks because I didn't feel great about the Eagles game and I didn't feel great about the Bills game at all. Now I feel actually decent about this game. And again, I'm not saying the Saints are going to beat the Cowboys. But I'm going into this matchup, and I'm looking at it. And I think Dallas, you look at teams on the rise, who's down. You look at a team like the 49ers or a, a team like the, the, the Buccaneers. They're on the rise right now. And you look at a team like the Cowboys, they're falling right now. And they can't really use the injury thing as an excuse because, frankly, they've been relatively healthy for the most part. And I go back to that Raiders game on Thanksgiving, and the Cowboys defense got shredded. And I know the Cowboys have some fancy guys on their defense, and Micah Parsons is probably going to win defensive rookie of the year, and everyone talks about Trayvon Diggs and all the interceptions he has, and I totally get it. But at the end of the day, it's still a flawed defense. And you look at that Raiders passing attack, Derek Carr had 370-plus yards, and Darren Waller got injured in the first half, and he never returned. And yes, Hunter Renfro's a solid receiver, and Brian Edwards is a solid receiver. So yeah, they got better weapons than the Saints in the passing game. I get that. But if Derek Carr has 370-plus yards without his best weapon for the majority of the game, including overtime in the second half, that says a lot. And it's not just the defense. It's not just the defense. As much as I love Dak Prescott, and Dak Prescott's been great this year, there's a lot on his plate right now because Ezekiel Elliott is not fully healthy. Now, Ezekiel Elliott's going to play in this game. I thought he would rest, but it sounds like he's going to play. And you look at the last two games with that knee injury, 30-plus rushing yards, 25 rushing yards. That is not what the Cowboys were getting earlier this year. And if that continues because he isn't at 100%, all of a sudden the Cowboys offense is a little bit more one-dimensional. And I know they're going to try and get Tony Pollard involved, and they should. And he had a really good kickoff return against the Raiders last on Thanksgiving on last Thursday. 
the Cowboys right now, though, are playing really, really, really inconsistent football, though. The offense has been, you know, out of it for a little bit. They picked it up in the second half against the Raiders, but still they haven't been playing their best. And you can look at the Chiefs film. That tells you a lot. Yes, CeeDee Lamb coming back will help. Yes, if Amari Cooper comes back, that will help. But the Cowboys, again, they're becoming too one-dimensional right now because Ezekiel Elliott's not 100%. And if the Saints can take out the running game, you can get maybe a, a Dak Prescott situation where he's in a third and long. It's a third and 10 or a third and 12 or a third and eight. And that is where you need and can potentially force turnovers. And I don't think my confidence level in the defense would be as high as it would be today if I didn't see the Saints defense for at least a half pretty much shut down the Bills. And you look at that first half on Thanksgiving and they gave up 10 points. I think giving up 10 points and a half against the Bills offense is a win. They have Gabriel Davis. They have Emmanuel Sanders. They have Stephon Diggs. They have Dawson Knox. They have Cole Beasley. They have all these weapons and they overwhelm you with their RPOs. And they only had 10 points and two bad throws from Josh Allen ended up getting picked off. And Josh Allen and Dak are similar in the sense that they are, they have that dual threat capability. Now Allen's got a stronger arm. I think Dak Prescott's a smarter quarterback. So they're not completely alike, but they're dangerous. And the Saints just showed on Thursday that, you know what? They can handle those type of quarterbacks. Now, eventually they got gassed and time and possession is going to be so huge in this game as it always is in any NFL game. But I see this defense, which didn't have Davenport for this game. So I can't use the excuse that they don't have him for this one to be like, it's going to hurt. Obviously, it's going to hurt. But they looked pretty good in that first half against the Bills, even without him. I'm intrigued. Like, I actually think that the defense, if they can get the, the Cowboys into those third and long situations, they're going to have a shot. And again, Amari Cooper's status, that's something to watch. If Amari Cooper misses this game, so much is on CeeDee Lamb. And Marshawn Lattimore eventually is going to have a good game. I don't know when the hell it's going to be. It's been a while, but he's eventually going to have a good game. And there's no better time than if he faces a CeeDee Lamb or a Michael Gallup to have a big-time game. And if he can do that, all of a sudden the Cowboys, who are just have an embarrassment of riches at, at the skill positions, all of a sudden, Zeke's not playing at 100%. If Amari Cooper's not there, if Lamb is a little bit, I would say, hindered by Lattimore, all of a sudden your top performers are not performing at that elite level. That changes things. Now, how about the offense? What do the Saints have to do? I think it's so simple for this one. The Saints got to do two things in particular. They cannot get behind the chains, and they cannot squander turnovers. That Those are two things that they did terribly against the Bills. All of a sudden... You're starting the drive of the second and six. Simeon gets sacked. Now it's like third and 14. And the drive's over. Anytime they got behind the sticks, or even if it was third and eight, third and 10, whatever it may be, the offense stalled. And even off turnovers, a Bradley Roby pick, you get nothing out of it. And those are the type of plays that just kill any momentum that your defense will have, that your team will have. And it really is unfortunate because I thought the defense busted its ass off in the first half of the Thanksgiving game. So those two are important. And why is the third and manageable, the second and manageable, more important now than it has been in the past? Because Taysom Hill is going to play. And if Taysom Hill is going to play, I do believe they're going to try this pocket passer quarterback thing and it's going to frustrate the hell out of us. And I, I totally think that's going to happen. But what is what are you also going to have? You have a quarterback capable, if necessary, to run the football. And in those third and twos, the Saints have been missing those power run plays. I don't know if they're going to call them as much as they would if Taysom was at 100%, which he's not. But you still have that option, and I think that would help the Saints out tremendously if they have a quarterback who in third and two can continue the drives because time of possession is really, really important, and the Saints are going to need that because every time when you play a great team like Dallas in terms of explosive nature, you want to be able to control that clock. You want to be able to make sure they don't have an extra possession or two, and if you can do that, 
you put yourself in a really good spot. So all that being said, how do I feel going into this game? I think the status of Alvin Kamara, if he was definitely going to play, would make me feel even more, I would say, positive about this situation. But I do look into it, and I look at this game, and I say, why can't the Saints win? Now, that doesn't mean I'm picking them, although I probably would, honestly, if I had to get my arm twisted. I know I'm going to sound like, you know, pretty crazy right now, and people are like, what are you, you know, what's going on here? But I really do think that the Saints have a shot here, and I think it comes down to two things. I think it comes down to making that quarterback change. You kind of feel like you put everyone on notice in terms of job security and what you need to do, and you need to do a better job for us to feel like we can trust you. But I think that Cowboys coaching thing, it's not getting talked about enough. You missing your head coach and four assistant coaches, and that is right now, it could be even worse, that is a problem. And we all saw with the Saints, and now they missed more coaches than that, I believe, in terms of assistant coaches. That hurt them. So I do think that's going to play a factor. And I do think for once the Saints are going to go into a game where they feel like they have a chance. And I didn't feel like they had one against the Bills. And in the first quarter of the Eagles game, you realize they didn't have one either. I think they have a chance for this one. But Alvin's status is going to be huge. And can the Saints actually score off turnovers if they force them, of course, and not have turnovers of their own? That's going to be important. But it's going to be a really fun game. I'm really excited to see how this one goes down. I think the Saints have a legit shot to upset the Cowboys here. Again, I'm not saying it's definitely going to happen. But I'm saying if it does happen, I would not be surprised. I really do think if the Saints are primed for an upset anymore this season, if there's another game that they're going to get that's going to be a marquee win, I think this would be the one for the Saints. And if they get to 6-6, six and six, it gives them some optimism for the final five games of the season. But we'll see what happens on Thursday night, guys. Saints-Cowboys, I'll have a podcast after that game is over, of course, recapping it and talking about what went right, what went wrong. Hopefully it's more right than wrong. I'm sick of coming on here and bashing this team. I'm getting pretty tired of it, but they leave me no choice. So that's going to do it for this edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast, guys. I thank you guys for tuning in. As always, I'll put out the audio format later this week, probably on Wednesday morning for you guys. And I'll talk Saints with you guys after the Thursday night game between the Saints and the Cowboys.